Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shelf Logic podcast. My name is Glenn. I'm a librarian at the Litchfield Park Library, and I am joined by Tim. I'm a library assistant at the Litchfield Park Library. And today we're going to be talking about um, another, and this will be the, sort of the final one in this sort of broad series of, of manga. So we're going to be talking about Kodomo Muke manga, often just a shortened to Kodomo, or if you want to prefer the, the English translation, that's just children's manga. So we're focusing on manga that are targeted at children. So we were thinking, you know, these are sort of like chapter book level, so you're thinking maybe five, six, upwards to just before they hit the, the shonen demographic, so just before 12. So we're looking at anywhere from kids to tweens, and that, that's a pretty big difference, so we have a couple of different things for you to check out here today. Um, sometimes these are classified in different genres in the Japanese magazines that they're published in, but the library has them in the juve section, and we do agree with the library's classification of them, that these are intended for the juvenile audience, but that some of them, more so than others, can be enjoyed by the adult audience. So without further ado, the three main ones we're going to be talking about for you today, we're going to start off with Cheese Sweet Home, and then we'll go into Yatsuba, and then finally talk about Little Witch Academia, and then we have three sort of honorable mentions that didn't make the, the final cut, but they're still worth reading. So to start off, we'll go ahead and get right into Cheese Sweet Home. And Tim, if you want to do us a little introduction on that one. So Cheese Sweet Home is the story of Chi, uh, a little gray cat who gets lost from its mother and ends up getting taken in by a family. And the story is from the perspective of Chi. So we hear Chi's internal monologue and Chi talks and Chi is a kitten, so it's all about Chi learning about the world. Yeah, and this one is just super cute, super adorable. If you're looking for kind of a different subclassification for that, I would put this in the slice of life category. So it's just everyday, daily life of a house cat. Yeah, I, I'd say that's that's pretty fair. It's also got a little bit of slice of life for the family mm. as the family is dealing with the fact that their apartment complex does not allow pets. Yeah, so there is definitely a conflict here, especially in the first volume before, before other things happen, is that their apartment says absolutely no cats or pets yes. of any kind. Yes, so it's, uh, it's constantly dealing with them having to sort of hide Chi away. And for most of the first volume, uh, and the first volume is double-sized here at the library. For most of the first volume, they're dealing with trying to find somebody else to take Chi, and then they ultimately, obviously, decide to keep Chi. Yeah, so overall, this is like a super sweet story about how sometimes pets just, just they find a way into your life. And once they do, you realize before, you realize it's just, this is just now part of your family. Yes, and with Chi, it's interesting because it's very clearly intended for younger audiences because some of the characters are just called mom and dad. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it deals with a lot of things about growing up as well. So not just like a new pet problems, but 
dealing with Chi not being able to find her family mm -hmm. or Chi making a friend who then has to move away. Right. And the one thing I really liked about this is that Chi obviously is our main character and is in virtually every panel in this. But the, the sort of supporting cast of family, gets, you get a very good wide representation of how, they, how each family member interacts with Chi, the new cat that they have. You have the, the very young son who is uh, Yosuke, and he's, he's hanging out with the cat and doing you know, little kid stuff, and he has friends over, and his, his kid friends do ridiculous things with the cat, as kids sometimes do with pets when they don't really know how to handle them. Yes. But then you have the mom and the dad, and the dad sometimes he's trying to get work done, and you know he's like throwing papers, and the cat's like, well, we're playing now. Yeah. And it's very clear that this manga is made with a lot of love towards the concept of having pets. Yeah. And you can easily read it with a child, uh, and both of you get a lot out of it. Not as much as necessarily as our, our next topic yeah but it's it's definitely got some story beats that are there more for the adults reading it it, it does yeah um, reading through this kind of reminded me of reading like old school sunday morning comics in the newspaper yes it's very panel by panel and a lot of jokes are set up and knocked down within the same page. Yeah, every, only every once in a while do you have like a, a, a joke or a, a storyline that runs through two issues. Yes, there are a couple that do run multiple chapters in the first volume, but by and large, once you see something, there is no like Chekhov's gun where it's going to be <laughs> taken down in the third act. Right. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't even necessarily give this acts. It's, yeah. It just is. Yes. It, once you see something, it's going to be involved. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like old um, uh, 1960s style Looney Tunes where you can tell something's going to be used because it's drawn more colorfully than the background. Yeah. Uh, so overall, who I would recommend this one for, uh, definitely a younger audience, but this one you may get more out of it if you read it alongside or along with your child. Yes, and on that note, I think that does bring us to our second volume that we're discussing today, and that's Yatsuba. Technically, it's Yatsuba and, uh, which talks about the chapter titles, but Glenn, would you like to introduce us to Yatsuba? So Yatsuba, we, we find, follow, I'm sorry, the, the story of, of the titular Yatsuba, who is a young child. I don't know if we get her official age. I, I don't know either. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm not sure. But she's, she's young. She's, she's somewhere probably between 7 and 10, I would yes. place her. And she has just moved to a new town with her dad, uh, her dad who had to move away for, for work, presumably. And now she's sort of going on all of these various misadventures in this new town. And that's pretty much the premise of Yatsuba. She, she makes some friends with the neighbors, their main characters. And we just kind of follow her around as she gets into some pretty crazy shenanigans and hijinks, as young children so often do. Yes, and Yatsuba comes from a country village. Uh, so Yatsuba is actually adopted. She lives with her adopted dad, who adopted her from a foreign country. And she lived a little bit in the countryside of Japan mm -hmm. and then comes into... 
uh, a big city. And so everything's brand new to Yatsuba. And she spends most of her time just running from thing to thing, <laughs> literally running. Literally from, running. <laughs> <laughs> from adventure to adventure. And part of what makes Yatsuba very fun to read is that if you're a kid reading it, you can see Yatsuba get into all sorts of antics. Uh, and the adults in Yatsuba's life never really get mad at her. No. They're just like, yeah, that's Yatsuba. <laughs> right. Her dad describes her as, you'll notice her because she's the weird one. Yep. And, <laughs> and that's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, she is, she is indestructible in this. She is. She gets into all sorts of hijinks and just comes out of it pretty much unscathed. And that's, that's fun, but if you're an adult reading it, it's also a very, very well done slice of life. Yeah. Uh, and much like Cheese Sweet Home, you get to see a lot of the background of the adult characters and they become much more well-rounded people. Yeah, if you're, if you're younger and reading this, that probably just sort of fades into the background. You yes. probably don't even notice that. Yeah. But for this, for someone who's older reading it, and I do think this one could very thoroughly be enjoyed by, by anyone on their own without any sort of children involved reading it with you because it's just that good and funny. Yes. But if you, if you are younger, then that sort of those details about the adult lives, those just kind of, those just kind of blur away and you're focused just on Yatsuba and the crazy stuff she's doing. Yatsuba is almost like a shonen hero in that she's basically indestructible and she just goes from one big adventure to the next, except her big adventures don't involve fights or like intergalactic travel. Her big adventures are learning what a swing is. <laughs> right. <laughs> and like accidentally launching herself off the swing and hurtling through the air and being perfectly okay, but being scared afterwards. Uh, and just running home after that. Yep, just sprinting home, or she'll be like, what's a bus? Like, that's a bus, they're fun to get on. Okay, and then she's on the bus, and you're like, why is Yatsuba on the bus? What's going on? Yatsuba takes everything at 100% face value. Yep. And she's unstoppable in her, uh, her sense of adventure. The first volume ends with her father discussing what... Uh, what makes Yatsuba so special is that she attempts to enjoy everything. Yes. And that's a, that's a good takeaway from this book is that if you're reading volumes of Yatsuba, there's no way you don't come away enjoying things. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think that the supporting cast in this is pretty well drawn out for, because she mostly is interacting with other adults. Yes. Not necessarily children, although she does do some of that later. Yeah. Um, but in the first few volumes, it's just her, her neighbors who are teenagers, teenage daughters of their, of, the, of their dad, who's just a total hilarious character in his own right. And it's yes. just a funny family dynamic they have going on. Yes. But then uh, she's got her dad and then um, her, her fellow, her jumbo that she meets, yes. who she thinks is like an ogre or something, because <laughs> he's so huge. Yes. So her dad has a best friend who's... Uh, nicknamed Jumbo, who is over constantly, and her neighbors are th three women and their mom and dad, and they're the Ayasis, and they're very 
they're they could have their own just like slice of life comic. They could, yeah. And because like at one point Yatsuba's not even like in the the discussion. We open up on their the neighbor's household and the middle child, Fuko, uh, is talking to her mom about the eldest, Asagi, and she, uh, the mom says, she ate all of my ice cream. I will never forgive her. <laughs> and just says it absolutely dryly, point blank, and that's the end of that scene. It then goes to Yatsuba. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it's, it's still very funny, even when it's not dealing with the main character. Yeah. But the main character is pretty tremendous. She is, yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, I think young people will definitely relate to her and wanting to just go and enjoy an adventure in life. Yes. Um, Try new things. It, I would say out of all of the volumes we're reviewing today, Yatsuba is my strongest recommendation for every age group. Agreed. Um, yeah. it's, just, it's just a tremendous book. Uh, and that brings us to our third volume, which is Little Witch Academia. Uh, Glenn, would you like to intro Little Witch? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Little Witch is it's an interesting read. Um, it follows uh, a very, uh, very familiar, if yes. you're in the genre, a magic school where a bunch of young girls, this one is specifically girls, it's about witches, so it is specifically young girls, and they enter this academy that they have to be in for several years to learn magic and they live in the boarding school that's on campus and if this is sounding familiar I can't imagine why yes uh, uh, totally uh, uh, I just have no idea how how any of this came about right but, <laughs> but anyways so we follow the main character and her name is her nickname is Akko and she, when she was young she, she saw a, a magic performer named Chariot doing some amazing feats of magic and she was like that's that's what I want to do with my life and so she dedicates her life to trying to learn magic as it turns out she's very very bad at it almost has no talent for magic whatsoever but she is absolutely determined through sheer force of will that she's going to become a witch and that's sort of the main storyline here yes and we uh in our introduction we were jokingly alluding to similar things in the genre but little witch does stand out in that its main character in this type of genre is different because she's not special because she has magic or she's the chosen one she's special because she doesn't right and she is largely a terrible student yes <laughs> she can't even perform the most basic transformation spells it just turns her into a rabbit instead and it's hilarious but like great uh, shonen and shoujo characters before her she's just going to persevere in spite of everything and just push through yeah and i will say this this manga is based off of uh, an, a film and uh, a TV series. Mm -hmm. So there is some things that sort of get glossed over, like stuff that happens between chapters. Mm, yeah. Um, so there is a sense of a larger story. There is. Yeah. Uh, that very, you could easily get a hold of the, the materials and they're very good in and of themselves. And Little Witch is very, very good. The art style is very, 
uh, whimsical and fluid and it's a tremendous adaptation. It is, yeah, and it really, it teaches you some, so this one, more than any of our others, it has overarching plot. There's, there's sort of like arcs to this that you can follow. It, it's much more of a, a or more of a, an older story. It's probably intended definitely for, for kids or girls, specifically ages around 10 or and then up, like anyone. Anyone older than that will be able to enjoy this on its own. Yeah. Like if you read Harry Potter and you like that, you, you'll read this and you'll enjoy it as well. I remember uh, saying to Glenn as I read Little Witch Academia that if I ever have to recommend something to some of my little cousins uh, who are mostly about 10, um, who need good female role models, I would recommend Little Witch Academia, not because it's they're the best role models, but because they feel the most natural. Yeah, they feel very real. Like, Echo, yeah. our main character, like, she struggles, she suffers, like, she yeah. gets really depressed that she can't do magic sometimes, and, and she, she goes through phases of like, well, I'm just gonna get down and study for hours, and then gets bored with that, because that's just what happens, and then goes on a little adventure, and then, it, you know, it renews her interest, and and stuff like that, but really, like her, her main, her best characteristics are just her, her perseverance and dedication. Yeah. And you get a lot of different character types. There's not, they're, they're standard like, oh, she's the mean girl. But in reality, that's pretty quickly like dropped. Yeah. It's not outright dropped like, oh, suddenly they're best friends and stuff. But within a couple of stories, you can see that she's not just the mean girl. She has reasons and she has a personality. Yeah. And then there's uh, a girl who's very into technology. There's a girl who's very into even poisons and being cynical it, and dark. <laughs> yeah. And then there's uh, a girl who can speak to spirits. And there's a, a sort of hero for every, every personality. Yeah, and they all get pretty good screen time, too. It's yes. not just about her. Um, everyone, of course, she's the main character, so everyone changes based on what happens when they interact with her. Yes. And she's kind of the catalyst for a lot of things, of yeah. course. But even still, those, those side characters, they get, a lot of, they get a lot of love and attention. Yeah, and I, I really enjoyed reading it. I think it's a, a pretty tremendous uh, tr story for tweens. Uh, yeah, and I do think you need to be a little older to enjoy yes. this one, unfortunately. But that's, like I said, there's, there's quite a wide spectrum here. Yes, and that's, that's perfectly okay, too, because uh, every age group needs to be represented. Every age group should have stories that are directed for them. Yeah. Uh, and then you can also have some, some like Yatsuba that are spread across all. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that helps, helps spice everything up a little. Definitely, and so I, I, I definitely enjoy the Little Witch. I would highly recommend that. But we've got we've got a couple more we want to go into. We're not going to go into quite as much depth on these ones, just because um, they're they're definitely more intended for for younger kids, and there's not a whole lot of of meat to really get into discussing. And we'll talk about that here in a second. Yes. But the first one we're going to talk about is the Legend of Zelda. Uh, series and Tim, do you want to introduce just the series as a whole for us? So the Legend of Zelda series is based off the Legend of Zelda games. Uh, they do take story liberties with each of the plots, 
uh, but that's to sort of be expected. Uh, a lot of the video game plots are a little more bare bones, but it's an anthology series that jumps from game to game depending on the volumes. So it starts out with Ocarina of Time, which takes up the first two volumes, then moves to Majora's Mask, and so on and so forth. And within a few volumes, you've met three or four different iterations of the same character, Link. Mm -hmm. And they all have different origins, uh, and they all lead to the same sort of character. So you're essentially reading a similar story each time, but a little bit different. Yeah, I, I am. And this, the Legend of Zelda series really intrigues me. It's so interesting to read, and it's an anthology, so you can pick it up anywhere you want. Yes, you can pick up Volume Eight and read that. And there, there's some that are two-parters, so you'll need to read those back to back. I wouldn't read, like for example, the very start of it is the Ocarina of Time. So if you read Volume Two before Volume One, you're just going to be horribly confused. But if you jump straight into Volume Three in the Majora's Mask, you'll probably be just fine. Yeah, it does briefly, I believe, touch on the events of Ocarina, but then much like Majora's Mask the game, it's just like, no, this is it now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I would, I would put this in kind of an interesting place because, because it varies so much in volume to volume, or it varies a little bit, it's kind of tones shift a bit around. Sometimes you'll get like, fairly serious parts, and then other times you'll just kind of get like slapstick humor. Yes, and the Ocarina of Time is a great example because it covers that within the same volume. Like the first volume has some moments that are very clearly kid-orientated, but then it also has some very dark moments at yeah, the same time. Weird tragic backstories that, that you know, come out of nowhere. Come out of truly nowhere. and. They're just like glossed over in two pages. So, yes. You know, if you're if you're younger and reading this, that's probably really you're probably just gonna just kind of skim through that and not really understand what's going on there. Yes. So I'm not sure why they put that there. Yeah. But it's there. <laughs> it's it's a little odd where they decide to expand the backstory and expand the overarching world, and then you'll jump straight into something like Oracle of Seasons, which is a very compressed version of the Oracle of Seasons game, but is very well told and very clearly intended for like uh, juvenile audiences. Yeah, I, I would say those are all intended for, for pretty young audiences, specifically um, probably boys mostly because our, our main character is, is Link and he's, he's a young boy going on these sort of hero quests. Yeah. And sort of really one of the things that points me toward it being intended for a young, younger audience is the art itself. Like you'll get kind of more sort of simplistically drawn facial expressions, more kind of obvious clues about what's going on, less crazy complicated yes. art in the background. Yeah, and we should say that outside of the main sort of anthology series, there is uh, Legend of Zelda The Twilight Princess, which is its own series of manga. And that is very much intended for, for older teen audiences. Yes. Because it gets pretty grim and dark. Yes. And if you've, if you've played Twilight Princess, you're probably already going, oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. It's so... But the outside dressing of the books look very similar. They do. Um, and you could be mistaken for uh, taking them as the same sort of volumes. Yeah. But they, they are not, they're intended for two different audiences. 
the anthology series being the juvenile one and being much more, I think, in tone with what we were talking about today. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of tone, we'll move on to our next yes. one, which is Splatoon, the manga. And if you have kids, they've probably heard of Splatoon, probably played it. Um, it's a fun game, let's be honest here. Yeah. Um, but this is, this. If, if Zelda has problems with kind of shifting tone a little bit back and forth, kind of serious, kind of slapstick, Splatoon is just purely silly the whole time. Yes. And Splatoon, as a video game, was not known for its plot. No. <laughs> no plot, actually. <laughs> so, uh, I was curious to see what the sort of plot and uh, story for the manga would be, and it's pretty much exactly what you would think it would be. Yeah, that's, you know, Tim was, we were talking about it a little before, and he was like, so how would you describe this? I'm like, it's exactly what you think it's going to be. And then he read it, and he was like, it is. Yes. Uh, it is a bunch of kids competing in a, a contest where they're trying to paint things with paint weapons. Yep. And the kids are the Inklings, so they're squid kids, essentially. Yep. And they are just competing to see who's the best, but one team is filled with, they're called the stupid blue team <laughs> because everybody thinks they're stupid. And yet they keep winning repeatedly over well, and over. Well, that's the thing is they only win against the best. Yeah, somehow they're fighting like the four best teams in all of existence and they're just crushing them through the yes. power of their stupidity i'm really not sure they yes. just they just kind of win sometimes it makes sense where like the first big team they face against Ryder, he's just domineering his own team and commanding them to go places whereas they operate it the stupid blue team operate as a sort of unit and they just know what they're going to do. Yeah, and that makes sense. But then yeah. later on they're fighting teams that they just I, I don't know. It it it's yes. fun. There's, there's, Don't think about it too hard. <laughs> yeah, there's teams they beat by eating curry yep. and being distracting. Yep. And that's it. Yep. <laughs> so there's no real logic behind anything. Uh, and then anytime they mention games between the big story beats, they lose. Yes. So their their official record in there is something where it's... It's only about 500 because they, they're they perfectly even. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, it's great. Yeah. Um, the humor in this is definitely intended for kids. You get a lot of slapstick humor, you get a lot of bodily humor jokes. Yes. You, the main character, there's a running gag where he somehow manages to always be losing his clothes at important moments, so he shows yes. up and like, why are you naked? And they're just like, it was like, I don't know, why am I naked? And it's a very, uh, it's almost Three Stooges-esque. It is. Uh, and it's very, uh, they're constantly getting what would be bodily injuries, but not really because it's a kid's manga and it's Bugs Bunny-esque. It is like that, yeah. Uh, so they can get hit in the head with like just this massive paint roller and just spring right back up. Yep, totally fine. Yeah. Because they just respawn because it's a video game. Because it's, yeah, that, yeah, somehow. Yes. Um, there are, I th if you keep reading this, you'll eventually hit some more of the adult characters, like there's a grandpa, but there's almost no adults present in this series, and they yeah. certainly don't play any major roles in these kids' lives. These, they're just, they're kids who are like professional athletes yeah. existing in this world of just a bunch of kid professional athletes. It really does make me think of like a bunch of kids got dropped off at a park 
basically, and just came up with a game. And some of the kids are like, I'm gonna be the announcer. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're just announcing what's going on. Yeah. And you're just seeing it from their perspective. Yeah. So very clearly intended for elementary school age boys. Um, actually, it's it's a fun read. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Um, if you're older, you're not gonna get a whole lot out of it because there's is it just the suspension of disbelief you need is, is a lot for this. Yes. Yeah. It's it's not something you're picking up to read all in one sitting. You're picking it up to read a little bit at a time. Each chapter is like its own self-contained silly little story. There is somewhat of an arc. Uh, overarching story of them f uh, facing the the big four, the S four, uh, but that's that's completely in the background. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, and this just yeah, you, you got to stop thinking about it too much because like, if the S four are the biggest and they beat all four of them, then they should technically be like the champions of the yes. world. But then they just keep fighting teams that are like better than the S four, and you're like, well, if they're why, why, yeah. why weren't you part of the S four if you're better than them? Yeah. And their ranks are always the stupid blue team's ranks are always really low. Yeah, so why are they even fighting these yeah. ridiculously good teams? I don't know. Yes, it's... <laughs> the matchmaking's gone terribly wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but it is it is fun. Um, yes. And that brings us to our very last one we're going to talk about for our sort of honorable mentions, which is Fluffy Fluffy Cinema Roll. And this is, this is definitely our youngest one we have, so yeah. we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about it because there's not a whole lot to talk about. Yeah, it is... The youngest of the young readers. Yeah, this is the reader who just finished picture books and is transitioning into chapter books. That's yeah. who we're looking at. The, just the youngest you can to be reading on your own, pretty much. Yes. It's, it's very hard to, like, just describe it. There's a bunch of bunny rabbit-like creatures who yeah. exist in this world where humans and adults clearly exist as well, yeah. but you don't really see them. And they go on a lot of weird hijink adventures together, but they're all resolved within, like, ten pages at most. Yes. And there's also a weird evil cloud that follows them around whose motives aren't clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he wants to kidnap our main character, Cinema Roll, who is named after his tail that looks like a cinema roll for some reason we don't yeah. know his plans are never too nefarious and they're never too dark he just he, he for whatever reason he wants cinema roll and he tries to do it and he fails and this all happens like boom 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 couple of pages done so that's to me what really calls this out as a very young novel is because everything is resolved so quickly you're never left to like oh no what's happening to our main character yeah, if the overarching plot of Splatoon is in the background, the overarching plot of Cinnamon Roll is n just not not there. No, it, it, it's just, it's fun, cute animals yeah. doing fun, cute stuff. Yes. Um, it's very, uh, I, I'm trying to think of the appropriate uh, word for it, and I'm at a bit of a loss. It's not even episodic. No, it's mostly just fluff. Yes. It's, it's like filler, the manga. Yes, it's, it's something you would see uh, as like a gag between scenes. <laughs> yeah, but it's fleshed out in this whole story. And we, we say all this, and this maybe makes it sound like we're not recommending this. I actually do recommend this. It's, yes. it's a fun little read. Um, I would not, as an adult, if you're reading this, or older, anyone try to read a whole bunch at once yeah because you're just you're gonna you're gonna see behind the veil a little bit too much yeah. and realize that there's just there's no real substance to this it's it's meant for younger audiences with shorter attention spans who 
uh, are still developing the ability to read longer stories. Yeah. So you're getting a few pages at a time of story moving on to the next one. Yep. So their attention is constantly drawn back to it. Yeah. So it does a superb job of that. Yes. And that's why we've recommended it. Yeah. It's it's for what it does, it's very, very good. Yeah. Um, so I think that brings us to the end of our discussion. Yeah, so that we covered uh, six total today, actually. Three in depth and three kind of in short. We had Cheese Sweet Home, Yatsuba, Little Witch Academia, and then we talked about The Legend of Zelda Anthology, Splatoon, and Cinema Roll. So all of those we'd recommend for, for kids and tweens, and none of these we'd really stress are, are too dark or too serious so you can enjoy them um, you can pick them up all of these are available in the library so go ahead and put your holds on those and thank you everyone for watching this was the the sort of last part of our, our age demographic focused um, manga podcasts so we had sort of the four main ages for young girls and older women and then young boys and older men and then this kind of rounds us off with just young children so look for us in the future. We're going to keep doing these manga podcasts, but we're going to focus on sort of other themes, such as um, LGBT manga and stuff like that. Yes, and I'm Tim. I'm a library assistant again. And I'm Glenn, and thank you, everyone, for watching. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.